Welcome to the Advanced Grass Solutions Turf Hub podcast. AGS is a leading provider of agronomy services, exclusive products, and unrivaled customer support. Underpinned by a well-qualified and experienced team of former sports turf managers. AGS. Supply. Consult. Support. Hello and welcome to the Turf Hub podcast. Today I'm down at Travos Golf and Country Club. I'm joined by Neil Rogers from AGS and course manager Neil Ivermey. Neil, how you doing? Yeah, very good, thanks Joe. It's nice to see you both this morning. Lovely. And Neil Rogers, how are you doing? I'm very good, Joe. Thank you. Happy days. Right, let's crack into it with your vital statistics. Holes. We've got 36 holes. Hectares. 103 hectares. Bunkers. Uh, 98 in total, but 72 of them are on the championship course. 18 on the headland, 7 on the short course, and 1 practice bunker. Nice. A lot of bunkers then. Uh, staff? Uh, ten and a half. We've got, a, got an older guy in his 70s. Uh, he does four hours a day. So he comes in every cool. day. Yeah. I thought you had a guy who was short. Uh, <laughs> mechanic? Uh, no, we don't have a mechanic. Okay. Memberships? So we're capped at 1,500 members. Um, basically 500 of those are local. Um, and then we have a lot of sort of residential members, country members. So a lot of them are in the a lot of houses around Constantine, second, you know, homeowners. Nice. Um, but yeah, we're we're currently full. We've got a waiting list. So yeah, fifteen hundred members in total. Right, me. Longest hole. Longest hole is the tenth at five hundred and eighty-eight yards off the blues, the, the championship tees. And your shortest hole is the eighth. Again, off the championship tees, it's 160, but obviously off the four tees, um, it goes down to 135. Okay. Um, and what time is your alarm set for in the morning? Uh, 5 a.m. 5 a.m., okay. So it's 5 a.m., your alarm's gone off. What's the first thing you do in the morning? I'm a bit of a snoozer. I'd like to snooze it at least once. This time of year, it's getting a bit darker. Yeah, nice. um, yeah, probably twice this time of year. But after that, I've you know once I'm up, I, I tend to check the weather forecast before I leave, just in case uh, it's changed overnight. Um, and then I've got a 25 minute drive to work, which okay. you know it gives you enough time to you know think through how you're going to plan the day out if you haven't done it previously the day before. Brilliant. And um, what's the first thing you do to get to work? Um, so I'll, if I haven't written the jobs on the whiteboard the night before, I'll write the jobs on the whiteboard straight away and then come in, have a cup of tea and have a chat with the lads and chat through anything which they may not be sure on um, throughout the day and just generally talk about, you know, the football scores from the night before, or, you know, just so, generally cheat at that. Cool. Um, and what's your typical day? Um, so we're, we're a very busy course, so I think the first four hours of the day are really important. That's when we obviously set up the course, I mean it's like every golf course, but yeah, from six till ten, I guess, um, it's just course set up, you know, get all our cut in, raking bunkers, we rake the bunkers every day, and then after break, we tend to work on the other two courses more, I guess, the headland and the short course. So yeah, we set up the championship the first sort of four hours of the day. And then it's either on the head and in the short course or sort of specific jobs um, around the championship, you know, where we can sort of target certain areas, I guess. Lovely. So you've got 10 staff. Do you want to name check them? Uh, I can do, yeah. Uh, so my deputy is Alex Graham Brown. He uh, was promoted this year. My deputy, uh, Kevin Patterson, who was with me for six years, moved back up 
to Southport. He's working at Southport and Ainsdale Golf Club. Uh, so Alex was the first assistant and we done an internal promotion so he was promoted to deputy nice. earlier this year. Obviously Alex was first assistant um, and I had two other guys which obviously were interested in that role and to be honest I couldn't really pick them apart, they both got you know different skill sets so uh, Steve Gunner and Sean Williams are kind of first assistants but we call, we're calling them as a title say team leaders so yeah, we have projects on the course. Nice. Um, you know, they've got a bit of responsibility if, if myself and Alex were away as well, they'll take over the leadership roles. Um, assistant greenkeepers, we got Calvin Snell, Carl Burley, Steve Davies, Sam Lawrence, Charlie Kent and River Reggiano, and John Kent, who I mentioned earlier, our older guy, um, he does the half day. Um, I've also got uh, Terry Spencer, who is just a sort of odd jobs man, he does a lot of divoting, all the jobs where you know in the mornings when we're trying to get on setting up the course very imp important jobs obviously for first impressions when you arrive to the clubhouse but yeah so he's been here for a few years as well right, so you've got, you got a big team then so who has the worst lunches uh carl burley without a doubt yeah i mean we're quite lucky here we do have um a halfway house on the 11th tee yeah. And Karen in the half hour, she looks after us very well. Uh, we get paninis, oh, whatever, nice. whatever you like, really, jacket potatoes, pasta dishes. Yeah, so she's very good. But if, say, if she's off, Carl Burley, without a doubt, I mean, he's a Billy Bear ham man. Um, oh, is he? He'll go home and eat potato smileys. And, yeah, all right. And like a big kid. Like yeah, a big yeah, kid. turkey dinosaurs, all that sort of <laughs> stuff. Yeah, you know. And who has the best lunches? I'd say Sean, Sean Williams, yeah, he's, he generally would bring in something that they've made the night before and warm it up and everyone nice would potentially get a bit jealous about that. Yeah. Right, any of them golfers? Who's your lowest handi handicap? Yeah, we're, we're, we've got quite a strong golfing team, there's, there's nine golfers out of the ten and a half of us, uh, seven of which are single figures, so Steve Davis is the lowest, he's a plus two. Right, okay. Yeah, so um, um, strong golfing And team. who's got the highest handicap? Um, well, I guess I guess those two can't not aren't allowed to play, are they? When you, when you do tournaments, that they, they can't get a game. Uh, well, to be honest, like um, it's quite a social team. They play a lot, play a lot of golf together. So on a Saturday, we generally put book two tea times and nice. yeah, do a bit of outside of work as well. Um, but the highest would would be John Kent, the the older guy. He's probably up fifteen or sixteen now, but he was a very good golfer when he was younger. So. So the course itself, um, obviously we're down in Cornwall, um, right on the coast there. So what we're looking at there, what, what, what have you got? So obviously we're a Lynx course, uh, designed by Harry Colt, uh, founded in 1925. So we're not we're coming up to the centenary in a few years' time. Total yardage, we can stretch it out to 7,112 yards off the championship tees. In the last six years, we've taken on a, a, co a complete course redesign with um, Mackenzie and Ebert. So Tom Mackenzie came in and done a course audit six years ago. So the the style of the, the course is, I, I guess it got a little bit, it's like a bit mismatched. So we'd have pop bunkers on some holes, natural bunkers on others. And you know, yeah. it was all a bit sort of confused, I guess. So Tom came in and one of the main first things he'd done was um, we've got a theme through the course now of all naturalised bunkers, which kind of suits our site more than pot bunkers because we, we obviously got dune, you know, hills on either side, so the bunkers sitting into hills and 
it just looks a lot more natural instead of you know a, a random pot which might have been put in just to try and I guess protect a drive hole but it didn't really fit in with a landing view. Yeah. So yeah, so we've been through that. We've we've obviously rebuilt four greens in the last six winters as well. So um, yeah, it's been quite a big change here recently. Decent. Obviously, it's a Lynx. For those that obviously are listening and don't know who it's a Lynx, of course. So what's your biggest challenge, daily, weekly, and so I'd say sort of monthly, but or overall, what's, what's the sort of challenges you face as a course manager at Javos? I think here is where, um, you know, a very busy course all year round. I guess um, the golf club is very good at um, in the winter when maybe sort of parkland courses around here might be might be struggling with um, obviously course conditions with it being so wet. Um, he offers up a lot of sort of winter memberships and you know we're just busy all year round and like we get in excess of like 50,000 rounds of golf a year so um, at times here when recovery is slow um, we do struggle to obviously manage the wear but you know it's, it's obviously good you know they're reinvesting in the golf course so yeah. it's good that we're busy um, in that sense um, and we can basically uh, tackle anything um, we want but yeah, I guess managing where dividend, you know, keeping on top of that is probably one of the biggest challenges. Decent. Um, you look like a relatively young man. How old are you? Uh, thirty-eight. Oh, you're younger than me. So <laughs> I class any, anyone younger than me, I class as young. Yeah. So I mean, thirty-eight, still quite young to have that sort of responsibility, and does that bring quite a bit of pressure, or what do you do to sort of cope with pressure, that sort of thing? Um, I guess. Um, I'm quite a relaxed guy. Um, try and keep work life and family life, life quite separate. So as soon as I finish work, I'm on the school run. So it's quite easy to go from yeah, work life to family life quite quickly, I guess. Brilliant. So, so I suppose you've mentioned family. So a bit about yourself then. So away from the golf course, a bit about you. Any hobbies, interests, family? Anything? Tell us about yourself. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously married and got two kids. A twelve-year-old son, Jack and a seven-year-old daughter, Sophie. Um, I like my cricket. Um, I've played cricket basically my whole life. Um, uh, represented Cornwall at Minor Counties Cricket. Um, nice. And currently <coughs> captain at Turo, Turo Cricket Club. Uh, get involved with all the coaching and the juniors and run the under-11s team as well. So in the summer, that takes up quite a lot of time outside of work, I guess. And do you end up doing the wickets, or have you got in the grounds yet? No, no. Um, we're very lucky. We've got a team of sort of retired volunteers, and okay, you know, leave, it, leave them to it. Well, I mean, I try and obviously pass on a little bit of advice <laughs> every now and again, but uh, they do they do a very good job, um, and you don't want to interfere and upset anyone because they're doing a good job. Yeah, um, yeah of course. So yeah, if I'm always there. If, they want to ask anything but they tend to just get on with it themselves and do it, very it could easy. be very easy to get dragged into that couldn't it yeah yeah, in your yeah. Position. um but yeah i mean maybe when i finish playing and um i'd like to get involved with it um but yeah at the minute i think it's quite a nice balance of also the captain as well so that takes up a lot of time yeah so you're busy um, enough anyway yeah yeah lovely um now i did hear that um you quite like the horses yeah, yeah, I don't mind a punt. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so uh, I think this is probably be, this will be going out during Cheltenham week. So uh, any horses you've got your eye on, your eye on for 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 Cheltenham twenty twenty two? I think there was a a group of horses last year, which um, obviously at that age where they're gonna continue that sort of form. So you Shiskins and 
obviously Monkfish is out now, but um, I'd like to think Shaq and Bossoir could probably come back as well. And I'd love that. I think I think Shaq and Bossoir will be ten, eh? Yeah. Ten, I think ten, yeah. And but like you raced. Yeah, honeysuckle as well. Obviously, never been beaten. Oh, amazing horse yeah yeah so yeah i'm looking forward to that too that'll be decent yeah i'll see you there yeah obviously yeah. <laughs> well we're there now as you listen to this we're there <laughs> um so back to yourself um when did you start in the industry so i was 15 um i started at merlin golf club it was just you know summer holidays when we were younger that's where we first started playing golf i guess you get dropped off there in the mornings 36 holes and it started there really just maybe doing a few weekends, picking up the balls from the driving range. And um, I studied a public services course at college. And in the holidays then it was more sort of, per, you know, I was getting more into the, the golf course side of it. Yeah. Um, and finished, finished the course and decided I didn't really know what I wanted to, you know, probably wasted two years of education. Um, and then just started uh, full time uh, greenkeeping. I quite enjoyed it. And that was at Merlin? Yeah, at Merlin, yeah. yeah. So, um, Initially, it was they're reconstructing some holes, and you know, a lot of days on your hands and knees, handpicking stones off fairways, and uh, it didn't put me off. So um, no. no, but yeah, no, it's, it's obviously That's completely good. different here. A team of three guys, and um, you know, just chasing around on a mower, I guess, and probably didn't have the fountain of knowledge to feed off there. It was just it was a far, a bit like a farmman course, I guess, and you yeah. Know, more of an agricultural background than, than greenkeeping and, and and Merlin's of course is just on top of Newquay that's kind of Newquay yeah, more than the top of Morgan Port yeah. yeah cool and when did you move over to uh, Traverse in 2009 um, I done I done two winters in Australia playing cricket and the second time when I came back my job wasn't open there anymore because they obviously filled it because I was away for six months so I done landscape gardening for two years but it was around the time when my son Jack was born and you could earn good money in the summer, but it was so inconsistent in the winter and obviously with a, a child on the way, um, I couldn't really I couldn't really do that. So I just sent my CV out to 10 golf courses and in the area, I think it was, and Travose got hold of me, I think the same day, I did an interview the same day and I started, this was a Friday, I started on the Monday. So Brilliant. I've been here since, and since I've been here, obviously <laughs> gone through my level three and yeah, just built from there, I guess. Did any others reply? Did they miss out? Oh, I don't think they did, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe one. I won't name it, yeah. But um, no, I don't know if they missed out or not. <laughs> but, you know, this sliding doors moment, I guess. Yeah, you know, everything happens for a reason, doesn't it? So. And what would you say the biggest changes between when you started in the industry and uh, sort of now? What's sort of the biggest difference? Um, I'd, yeah, definitely say the educational side of it. I mean, in my first job, I've done my level two through that, but there wasn't sort of, I don't mean the networking was there, um, the resources weren't there, um, a lot of just, you know, reach for the bottle sort of type mentality back then, I guess, instead of, um, we like to adopt the more sustainable approach now, and I think you have to now. I think that's a big change in the industry as well. There's not many golf courses which are, going down that route, I guess. I mean, a lot of people are turning to the more sustainable approach, um, which I think is great. Game changer, is there a product that is in the market where you thought, wow, that's a game changer? And just so you know, I've asked this question twice so far, and twice the answer's been no. But is there anything that you think is a game changer? 
Um, yeah, Graminicides here at Treves have played quite a big part over the years. Uh, my previous course manager, John Wood, we were cutting quite low here, and when he came, obviously the remit was to introduce more fescues into the green, so initially higher cuts went up um, to more suitable higher cuts, and then we had ryegrass coming out of the greens, you know, in big sort of clumpy sort of woody ryegrasses, and yeah. you know they're just terrible to put on. So um, back at the t in that in those days, rescue was obviously available, and we went through some pain um, using rescue at those times. But yeah, they've been a complete game changer. We we use laser here, um, like rescue for quite a few years until obviously it went off the off the market. Um, and I just think it's completely changed the the way the course performs. I guess instead of like being sticky around the surrounds, you, you know, it's a it's a proper running game here now. Decent. A fantasy hole. Have you got a fantasy hole in your head? A dream hole. Um. Obviously. I'm a linksy sort of guy, so I, I do like the um, the par threes, you know, on sort of the waves crashing on the the side, you know, carries. I think uh, Turnbury, the lighthouse hole, you know, where you got a par three, where you got to carry part of the sea, and the castle course where John is, the seventeenth there. You know, I, I do like a nice coastal par three, I guess. Nice. So back to the course. What's your general approach to greens maintenance? We we don't really have maintenance windows here, so. If we're do generally, I, I don't hollow core anymore. Uh, we've gone away from that for a few years because we found that initially, sort of five, six years ago, we were putting on a lot of sand and we just found we're just taking out all the good stuff we're putting in. So we don't really have a lot of thatch. So we don't really hollow core anymore. Generally, sort of aeration, I don't do anything in the summer, it's all through the winter and generally only 8 mil or 12 mil times. Overseeding. Again, it's kind of back in the year. I don't really rate doing it early here because the, the springs can be quite dry and we struggle to get establishment early in the season. So generally from now, this time of year, sort of September, October, we're trying to get a bit of overseeding done. But again, we don't have a window. So what we often do is come in on a Sunday afternoon. That tends to be our quietest time and work. It's dark on a Sunday yeah. evening. Um, the guys quite enjoy it because obviously the course is quiet. You can get on with it normally fish and chips and pizza from the clubhouse or whatever and like normally quite a nice team building yeah sort of exercises bad. as well so yeah it's generally most of my overseeding would be between now and christmas we can go quite late here as well the temperature's normally pretty good up until christmas um okay. and obviously with mowing regimes being less frequent uh, we tend to get a better establishment then as well happy days so uh soil composition what's your holy grail and what are you currently working with Oh, well, obviously, with like 100% fescue, but I think the last two years, the lockdowns have definitely helped. I would say we're probably 80% probably fescue bent. Obviously, some of our wet, wetter greens um, are more power dominant, and I don't think that's going to change unless we sort of reconstruct them because yeah. we have certain greens which will sit wetter in the winter, and well, I think we'll always struggle there with power unless we do something about them, and we have done something about, like I say, four of them over the last few years. Um, but we've still got a few more to do. But obviously, you mentioned overseeding. Um, so when you overseed um, September so onwards, is that with a hundred percent fescue mix or best yeah. fescue or just yeah, fescue? No, just fescue. That's um, a mixture of mixture of slender and chewings. Yes, yeah, but slenders tend to work better here. Um, but yeah, we do try and um, bit of try a bit of both. Yeah. Cool. Now, uh, teas. Any special treatment for your teas? Got your plans on those? Um, no, we're, we're quite. Um, I guess we're we're six monthly at the start of the year. Maybe lawn sand. Um, sort of the February time 
six month ago he's out in April May. Um, I oversee twice a year. Um, is that the fescue as well? No, we use uh, well, we use bar metal. Um, it's, it's just the wear. We it's just a dwarf a dwarf mix, yeah, a bit harder yeah, wearing. Yeah, it's a yeah, it's a, a large content of fescue in it as well. Um, but we, I just don't think we would get the recovery if we if, it, if we didn't have a bit of rye in there as well. No. Okay, wildlife. What sort of wildlife can we see out on the course? I guess we've got a lot of skylarks, so birds just recently, the last couple of months, got a lot of Cornish chuffs on the course, which is be nice to see. I've seen a barn owl raking bunkers this morning, actually, which is, yeah, nice. I don't know if that's something we would <laughs> encourage, or what, you, you know, you don't intentionally encourage them, but... Um, that's kind of where you are, so do you, do you do anything to sort of encourage wildlife? Obviously, you, you keep the course as, uh, as natural as possible, so I guess you've got lots of long roughs and... Yeah, yeah, so we've done a lot of uh, what probably 10 years now since we bought our Amazon we've been out the rough every year so wildflowers um, it's a massive proportion of them out there now so yeah obviously birds and uh, sorry and is that, bees is that, and butterflies and is that naturally cultivated or have you actually done a wildflower sort of over so no, it's na natural yeah. Oh, nice yeah now here's a big one what's your favorite home fourth yeah I think that's our signature I've got a bit of a love-hate relationship with the fourth anyway, but it's still my favourite hole. Um, when we first rebuilt the green, uh, we had a few issues with it through the first two winters where it's, it's right on the on the case and it, we experienced a lot of salt damage when it was just trying to establish itself, I guess, and lost coverage on it, had to go on a temporary, which was heartbreaking really, all the work we put into it. And um, I guess being on a temporary on your signature hole is not a good look. So. That obviously caused a lot of stress at the time, um, but yeah, it's still a great hole. I mean, generally, when you get visitors here, that's where they'll kind of stop for a photo. With, you know, obviously. So just so describe it. So you're on the tee. You're looking down the down the fairway. What's your view? Uh, so it's a dog leg left. It's got a few nice drive bunkers there. Uh, we put in a new tee this winter as well, which um, gives it a different dynamic. Um, you know, a bit more of a challenge off the tee to carry the drive bunkers. Uh, when we re redone the hole, we, we took it, the second shot was blind before, but we kind of went through the dune, um, created, raised the green with the material we took through the dune. Um, so the green is now, you know, it's up a good couple of meters from what it was originally. So you're now kind of sitting on top of the beach, I guess. Um, but obviously that caused the problems with the salt damage because you're obviously that much closer. And when when we get some Atlantic storms here, you know. They just crash over the, over the green so now obviously to anyone who's listening you can't see what i'm looking at but i'm looking at a great picture of it on his laptop so um i'm not observant enough to realize that's what i was looking at i'm assuming that is it that is, yeah that's, that's what you just described yeah there we go yeah it looks yeah it looks nice to be fair um one day i'll have to have a hack around what would you say is the toughest hole to play what's the card record um 13 i think it's a it's a par five but um it's probably our long, no, about in 10 are our longest par fives. Um, but it's a narrow, narrow green, generally going in there with a, you know, if you're going to take it on in two, it's a, it's a wood basically, or, you know, even, even if you're going in with a wedge for your third shot, you're out of bounds in a ditch to your left. Um, if you miss it right, you've got a tough chip. Yeah. So what's the stroke index? Stroke index five, I believe. The yeah. five. Yeah. So what's the, what's the stroke index one hole? Uh, 12. 12. What's in the shed? We're talking your frontline machinery. Uh, so we've got two uh, triflexes for the for the greens and five Flex 21 hand mowers. 
two, no, sorry, four 3250s, um, two of which go out to cut tees and surrounds, and then we've got two spares <coughs> which will kind of mix around different units, Vertigoan units, Diamond Cedars, um, a set of old units, so sand units we're addressing, a set of units to cut the accommodation. Uh, two 5010H ferry mowers and a 3550, so a lightweight uh, ferry mower which we tend to go the outside laps and any sort of intricate parts around the bunkers. Uh, John Deere rough mower uh, 9009A and a Ventrac. Um, a Ventrac is basically a machine where we've got three different attachments for the front which is really useful. Four gaiters. Two Pro Gators and a Polaris as utility vehicles. A Viedemann, a Verido, two Dakota Dressers, a Terra Rake, an Amazon, three turf roller, Procore. Um, yeah. That's a lot of machinery. That's a lot of, I'd say that's a lot of frontline machinery. That's decent. I suppose with a big course, you, you need it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we we do a lot of sand dressing on fairways as well. So, we've got um, a smaller dresser which goes on. See the back of the Pro Gator, but we've also got a trail behind which will hold sort of three, four ton um, to get the dress, the fairways dressed. And sort of machinery-wise, have you got an agreement with somebody who supplies your machinery, or how does that work? Do you just buy the best machine for the job? Yeah, yeah, we're predominantly Toro, but um, yeah, we've got a few utilities. Yeah, it's just basically we don't have a deal. Um, I think utility or vehicles, John Deere, are streets ahead, um, and I've always thought cutting gear. John, uh, Toro ahead, um, but you know, guys are coming out with new bits of kit all the time, so I, I'm certainly not pigeonholed into any decent brand. It, it shows though that Nick, your owner, who, he's not afraid to invest in machinery if needed. No, I mean, that's what I enjoy about working here, obviously, it's authority owned, so um, don't have to go through committees or anything. So if I go to Nick and say, I think we need this bit of kit and explain reasons why we need the kit, he's generally pretty good um, and we'll get it ordered up. Mate, so you don't have a mechanic, so who looks after your kit? Sean, Sean we don't have a mechanic, Sean's obviously uh, part of the management but he does a lot of the mechanics here, he's, he's very good, he does all my grinding, obviously there's times when we need him on the course as well so um, I guess if, it, if there's times where we're too busy and maybe Obviously we do a lot of warranty stuff as well. We don't obviously keep machines for years here. So within warranty, the, the dealers will come out and work on the kit. Yeah. Um, but we try and do most of it ourselves. What is your favorite piece of kit? Well, I've listened to a couple of these podcasts and everyone says uh, Procore, um, which is an amazing bit of kit. Be original. <laughs> I'm on be original. original. Um, and say the Ventrac, I just love it. it I mean, we've got a contour deck um a power brush a power rake so um all the pass all around the, the clubhouse the power brush is amazing it'll just do it in, in no time whatsoever the power rake will turn over our sort of road um we use it as a rotavator as well when we're, when we're taking turf it'll just turn it over just enough to get the seed back in um and it just gets anywhere the slopes it will go on so the amount of sort of time we've saved scrimming banks um nice. Uh, despite yeah so it's just a very versatile bit of kit and obviously the, there's so many attachments for it we've only got three but um yeah you can just build on it year on year i guess if there's anything else you fancy what is your most used piece of kit i guess outside of cutting 
cutting units, you know, obviously your greens and that go out all the time, but um, all our fertility goes through the sprayer. Um, so I'd say the sprayer, we don't really put out many granules on the, on the greens at all. We haven't for a couple of years, you know, obviously teas and that, but um, we spray quite regularly um, for different programs. And when you say regularly, you talk weekly, uh, fortnightly, sort of how often do you spray? Uh, greens, I would say fortnightly. We normally have like a monthly mix, which is sort of the nutritional side, and then maybe um, we use a tractor, so that's another mix which will go out, you know, every 21 days. But do herbicides and what's your favorite bit of kit ever? Right, I'm gonna have to go back to Procore now, then. They are Procore, they are tired. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to get tired of sponsors of the show, they didn't yeah. know it yet, but they may as well. <laughs> Any future course projects planned? Uh, yeah, we are redoing our first green this winter so um big project has been designed by tom mckenzie mckenzie and ebert uh, we've basically gone through the whole course now and then we had like a meeting last year and go right we've done everything we've gone through the whole audit is there anything else you think we need to do um and the first green for me has always been our worst green so you stand on the first tier travos everything's in front of you you know, it looks amazing, and then you get down to the first green. I always find it's a little bit disappointing, uh, mainly because it sits wet. Botanically, it's probably our worst green. After a few discussions, we decided that's the one we'll take on this this year. And um, so basically, it's going to get raised at least half a meter to try and alleviate some of the water problems. There'll be runoffs in certain areas um, to divert the water away from the green, um, and just create more interest. I guess a bit more of a wow factor when you finish the hole. Nice. Um, who is the most famous person to play the course that you know of? Um, Piers Morgan, Jamie Redknapp, I guess. The so you get a few, you get a few, don't you? Yeah, Prince Andrew. I don't know. If that's, don't Did know you get a selfie? Did. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Did he touch you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get a selfie. Yeah, you got that to the to the kiss. Um, who's your biggest influence in the industry? If you if you've got one. I would say John, John Wood. Um, he's the one that obviously put a bit of faith in me to give me a chance as deputy here when we went through internal trials. Um, obviously, yeah, the, de the deputy left and a few of us went through internal trials. And for me personally, I thought I was a little bit behind, but he obviously seen something in me um, at the time and put a lot of faith in me. And when he left to go to the castle, I, I probably was only deputy for two years and he was quite influential. and then giving me a go. I had an initial six month trial here like as course Brilliant. manager and he, he, he really pushed that. So, um, and yeah, he's, he's still always on the end of the phone. So yeah, John. Nice one. And who are your sort of closest friends in the, in the industry? Um, yeah, I speak to John regularly, but locally, um, Cookie, Cookie, Rob Cook down at Poundforth. We generally speak most days and Scotty out at St. Anna, Scott Gibson. Um, so yeah. Very handsome man. <laughs> okay. The true test of any Cornishman. Does the train stop Cranbourne Wednesdays? <laughs> that one in the notes. <laughs> Does the train stop Cranbourne Wednesdays? I don't know, mate. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's poor. That is poor. And scones. Cream and jam or jam and cream? Gosh, we're not even debate, is it? Jam and cream. I'll give you one out of two. One out of two. So golf courses wouldn't be anywhere without its members. Um, What's the worst habit there they have on your course? Um, obviously you say pitch marks, but that's, I mean, our members are generally pretty good. What I've, what's annoyed me this year is bunker raking. 
I think since obviously the rakes have gone back in, people are still uh, using the COVID as, oh, I don't want to touch the rake and then leaving the bunkers in hell of a state. I mean, it doesn't really affect us so much, obviously, because we, we full rake them every day anyway. But I just feel for the next golfer going in the bunker and, you know, a four inch deep footprint and they have no relief anymore. So, yeah, that sort of thing is. As a goal from my mainly was annoying well, me. To be fair, that's that was exactly the same answer as the parent was. With all of his all of his bunkers. Yeah, all, all four of them. <laughs> well, he said nine, then he then he changed it to ten. <laughs> yeah. Given the state of the world right now, it would be a little remiss not to mention the pandemic. How have you coped with it? Did your staff get furloughed? What safety procedures do you have or have had to keep your staff safe? None of us were furloughed. Yeah, we were very lucky. Um, Nick, our managing director, he's seen it as an opportunity to get maintenance done when we wouldn't normally have have chance. So um, we actually gained staff because obviously the restaurant and the, the bar and the office were all shut. So we gained um, Sam, who was in the in the office as a sort of receptionist guy, and he's ended up with us full time. And uh, we, nice. had a, we had a, a barman uh, which came down. So. Yeah, we ended up splitting the team into three groups of four and got a bit creative with the rotor. So instead of a five-day rotor, we had a seven-day rotor. But we were doing four-day weeks instead of five-day weeks, but 10-hour days. So we actually got more work done during the lockdowns than um, in a normal week, I guess, because yeah. we're working 10-hour days on a Saturday and Sunday. Because there was nothing else to do, at the weekends anyway, there's no football on the TV even in the first lockdown. So um, the guys didn't mind coming in at weekends. So yeah, there was constantly either four people or eight people here. So um, my team, for example, started on a Friday and finished on a Monday. Um, and then we'd have a team which started on the Monday, finished on the Thursday, and a team which started on a Tuesday, finished on a Friday. So on those days during the week when there was eight in, one team would start at six, one team would start at seven. Yeah, so you got loads done then? Not loads done, yeah. And I, I generally think um, the lockdowns were so beneficial to the golf course because um, we're getting all the seeding done um, at times of year um, where you can just leave it go. You know, you're not having to worry about mowing pressures after you cut the greens once a week and yeah. um, just constantly putting pressure on the power, I guess, with no fee um, and just allowing the festivities to establish. So. We, we got lots of sort of path work done as well around the course, you know, managing wear areas. Um, yeah, yeah, I think we definitely just seen it as like take make the most of the opportunity while there was no one out there. Nice. It's quite refreshing to hear that an owner saw an opportunity rather than saw an opportunity to save some money. Yeah, I mean, obviously every club's different and yeah. Um, I feel like we're very fortunate because there's guys all over the country on furlough struggling. Um, but you know that's that's Nick. I mean, he wants as good a golf. He's a scratch golfer himself. He wants as good a golf course as he can get, um, and he's seen it as an opportunity, and, and he went for it. Nice, brilliant. If your modern day self could offer your younger self some words of advice, what would that be? Um, just get your head down, I reckon, and stay patient. Um, I think the industry at the minute, there's, there's lots of opportunities. You seem, there seem to be a lot of jobs on, on the bigger side. Um, but back then, I guess, I don't think there were so many opportunities to progress. Um, 
So ju just keep doing the right things. Someone will see something in you at some point and and just back you, I guess. And you know, things always work out in the end. Brilliant. Well, Neil, it's been a pleasure. I've been Joe Endy. I'm Neil Rogers. And I'm Neil Ivan. Thanks for listening. Join us next time on the Turf Up podcast. There we go then. Happy day. Happy with that. We're like the chunk bombs, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. Me to you, it's me to you, isn't it? <laughs> Thanks for listening to Advanced Grass Solutions Turf Hub Podcast. For more information, visit advancedgrass.com or follow us on socials using the handle at advancedgrass.com.